Well, hello and welcome once again to Off the Shelf with Phil and Dave. This is Phil speaking. This week we've got coming off of my shelf, 1976's All the President's Men, directed by Alan J. Pakula, starring Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford, written by William Goldman. But that's for later. For right now, <laughs> Dave, uh, how are you doing, buddy? What are your... Uh, How's your summer days treating you, and uh, and how are you feeling uh, about this movie and life in general? How's how's things going? Well, Phil, I like to go on the record and say I'm doing uh, <laughs> I'm doing pretty well, uh, though I'm <laughs> I'm not always a reliable source. Uh, for <laughs> I won't quote you on any of this <laughs> for anything. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm doing well. Summer's uh, summer's great. I'm enjoying it. It's a beautiful day. Hit the golf course yesterday. It was gorgeous. Um, that's me. Uh, we'll get to you in a minute, but my initial thoughts about this movie is, uh, I enjoyed it, uh, for the most part, uh, mostly due to the journalistic nature of the film. I found it, mm -hmm. uh, relatively interesting and compelling. Uh, there is a, a notability factor with this movie, uh, you know, like much like Hoffman's cigarette. It is a bit of a slow burn. Uh, now, of course, for you, every movie has a notability factor. Uh, <laughs> rumor has it you nod it during Schindler's List, uh, but I guess that's better than uh, making out during Schindler's List, I guess. I don't know. Uh, and one thing I, Time will tell on that one. <laughs> yeah, and the one thing I did notice, my big takeaway from this movie is you, Phil, would be a good journalist because you walk fast. Yeah. <laughs> I see a lot of of Dustin specifically. His walking was very familiar to your walking. Uh, I think that's all you need to be a journalist. I think oh, you might it. be right. I think that's it. <laughs> you just need a solid walk and yeah, you're good. And a pencil. Uh, it it <laughs> it did scratch my typewriter itch. I had this itch for some okay. for some typewriter, and lo and needless to say, that's been scratched. That's been scratched. So uh, those are just some oh, of uh, my initial thoughts. Uh, so, uh, Phil, obviously, you've seen this movie. It's on your shelf. Unlike me, you've seen all your movies that are on your shelf. Uh, I haven't not seen. All, uh, not okay, all, all right. <laughs> uh, I've seen about twenty percent of mine. Uh, why did you select such film? I know we've we've done a little bit of political. I'm sure it's connected to uh, a recent film we've done. Uh, but why now? At the the hearings, maybe I don't know. I don't really follow American uh, politics too much. It's depressing. Well, I think you know that when I think of. If you had asked me before, I would have said, as I did last week, that it's kind of, I, I love political movies and strows. We mentioned that a little bit during our last episode. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking, you know, when I think of political movies, I often will think of this. Now, I've probably seen this movie a dozen times, okay. maybe even more. That's, uh, uh, that's enough. And I, I, I just love it. I think it's, it's, it's so good. But one of the things as I'm watching it is I realize it's not quite the political movie that I, I mm -hmm. kind of put it in it's really a journalist movie yeah. and I also have a have a have an affection for movies about journalism uh, or a, anything of the sort you know things like uh, you know the paper was another one uh, the post uh, came out uh, relatively recently around um, mm -hmm. same thing the Washington Post uh, spotlight right so I love the idea of journalism as as a as a movie trope yes yes and so I'm watching this and think it's obviously politically motivated. I mean, Woodward and Bernstein obviously, you know, yeah. did, yeah. as they say, bring down the pre presidency. It certainly helped. Um, it certainly helped. 
but it's really the kind of the background, you know, and, and the way that this movie is structured and framed and, and devised is so excellently focused on the journalistic part rather than the political part. So uh, that coupled with the fact that I'm, I'm endlessly fascinated by the Nixon story. Oh, you are. Uh, okay. I think it's, it's such a, he's such a bizarre figure in politics. He's such a unique, uh, I would have said, I guess before, a uh, unique paranoid. And, you know, in, in years since, you know, we've seen, I find that uh, there's a lot of similarities uh, in, in the sort of more recent uh, Republican president and this one. <laughs> That's not name um, names. <laughs> <laughs> but, but rather just so, so a fascinating character at the very least. Yeah. And uh, this particular story is just so riveting to me. And so I love what they, what they, what this movie does with that story. Mm -hmm. And for me, it really was the introduction to that story. So um, for that, I am grateful to the movie because, and this happened about, we were, you know, if you were to ask first time I ever watched it, I suspect it was probably around the time we had talked about Dustin Hoffman a few weeks back in The Graduate. Mm -hmm. And this was probably one of those early movies that it sort of started me on the I want to see every Dustin mm -hmm. Hoffman movie. Much on the old Hoffman uh, train, eh? It really did. And strangely, not the, not exactly the Robert Redford train. And we've obviously talked about him, at least as a director, with our quiz show episode available in the archives. But this is the first one with him sort of... Well, I guess well, Spy Game. We talked about Redford a little bit Last in Spy Castle Game. as well. Oh, gosh. We've done oh, lots goodness. of Redford. Yeah, so, We've we've so many so many. See, uh, you make the same now. mistake I, I make. Hey, we've never done a war movie <laughs> touché, before. Touché. <laughs> well, touche. This is the, um, the most. No, I can't even say it's the most main mainly read for movie because it's not. Uh, yes, it's also yeah. a, a two hander. <laughs> um, but anyway, so so the point was just sort of. I think this was the movie that really kind of got me on the Hoffman train, or certainly in that in that field. And um, I'm endlessly impressed by it. So I I loved it. I've watched it. You know, three times this week yep. uh, in an effort to uh, it's just a treat. I just love everything about it. I'm such a big fan of it. So um, now in your case, as I said, because it's more of a journalistic uh, a movie mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we asked uh, last week around your history, let's say, with politics. What, if any, do you have a, a history of journalistic uh, movies? Um, I have a list here of ones. Uh, I'll just run it out, run it off for you. I've seen Scooped, Deadline, Off the Record, The Source. Out of Ink, Where's My Pen, Sunday Edition, T for Typewriter, Hot Off the Press. So those are all the ones I've seen or just made up. The only one I've... I've I was going <laughs> to say, none of those appear to be movies to me. I thought maybe they're like episodes of TV that you <laughs> drunkenly fall asleep there, to there is, 20 years ago. There is, <laughs> that's possible. Uh, there was one called Scoop. I think Scarlett Johansson was in it. I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, Woody Allen movie. Yes, Woody Allen movie. Because I was looking when I was coming up with this made-up list, I, I scooped. I'm like, that's probably actually a real movie. And it was very close to Scoop. Uh, but um, I recently, about... I want to say maybe about two months ago, maybe three, I watched Spotlight for the first time. Okay. And <sighs> spoiler alert, we might, it's on my shelf. So, <laughs> and I have to say, <laughs> I, I, I'm a big fan of Michael Keaton. It had a good cast. I think if we're just talking about the journalist part of the movie, I think mm -hmm. I enjoyed this movie better. And I and I oh, and, and I like Spotlight. Uh, it's mm -hmm. interesting, but when it comes to specifically the the journalism aspect of the how we followed the uh, Woodward and Bernstein, 
Uh, I found myself mm-hmm. really... The scenes I loved about this movie, nothing, there's no real scene that really jumps off the sheet or, or pops off the screen for me. It's just all of certain scenes around the state, like the the Washington Post when they're in the office. Sure. Uh, yeah. So really, those are really the ones that I enjoyed the most. Uh, but outside of Spotlight, Phil, I'm, I'm thinking, I mean, Argo pops in my mind, but that's not journalism. It has a, a bit of the same feel, a little bit. Not really, though, actually, but... I don't know. No, it's not really about a newspaper at all. I mean, there. It's more. I mean, that is a somewhat political kind of maybe that's, motivated yeah. movie, I suppose. Yeah, just the way it's kind but, of set uh, up. But outside of that, sure. I, I, nothing else is coming to mind. At least of recent, like maybe t- mm-hmm. twenty years ago, I might have. But nothing's coming up. So I'm pretty, you know, pretty new to the genre. Though I, I like it. It's it's. Like the political genre, it's something that I may not have a lot of experience with, but I, I am attracted to it, and I'm curious to see uh, maybe some more, and I might seek out more sure. uh, on your shelf or on your shelf or just uh, in, on the old flicks or what have you. Yeah. Well, they're coming at you, buddy. <laughs> I got some lined up, so it's on the short list, of course. Well, where does this fall for you? If we just say, okay, I'll, uh, like versus uh, compared to Spotlight or compared to maybe some other ones. Is this your favorite or is this, is it, yeah. too, it is, okay, to, hands down? 100%, okay. yeah, to me, hands down. hands down, to me, I think this is, 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 is A, the, I think it's the perfect journalism movie, okay. I think it, it shows each component, you know, with the research, the persistence, the doggedness, the political, and I, I don't mean political in terms of uh, the presidency, but rather the politics within the newsroom. Yeah. You're jockeying for position. You've got X amount of column inches, and you're in those rundown meetings, and you're trying to find where your story fits. Someone is there to grade it, you know, and uh, edit it and provide feedback in the moment and it's not there yet, and it's not good enough, and it's below the fold, or it's buried inside. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. there's lots of those kinds of things. And the uh, you've been knocked down. You know, uh, everybody is, is, is turned you down for a comment. You have to use ingenuity, perseverance. Uh, you kind of have to manipulate, you know, you, uh, abuse your friendships, you know, and relationships that you develop while cultivating others. Yeah. I think this movie kind of in, in, encompasses so much of what I believe, certainly, uh, journalism, particularly at that time, to be, that I don't know that anybody does it better. Now, Spotlight is probably my closest comparator because movies like The Post and movies like The Paper, as two examples, uh, you know, Spielberg did The Post and, and Ron Howard did The Paper, neither, I think, fully do the justice that this movie does. And it also helps that I think this story is incredible. Now, speaking about the story, generally speaking, did you know anything prior to the movie about Nixon slash Watergate? And as a result, did you find that being a bit of a challenge, a barrier for entrance, you know, to the movie itself? Or were you kind of kept up? Because this is my thing. You know, I, I remember watching it. I kind of had a vague sense of what that story was to begin with. And I feel like I may be able to kind of connect some dots. Now, I wonder, as a person that may or may not know, did you have trouble connecting those dots? So answer me that. Answer me now. <laughs> Don't wait for the translation. <laughs> That's great. Gee, that's our Star Trek. Star Trek <laughs> Yes. Very good. Christopher Check it out in the archives. The great Christopher Plummer. Thank you. I, um, 
watching it for the first time, there's a lot of names being thrown out, and that's probably yeah. the biggest challenge of this movie. Uh, okay. Watching it the second time it was a little bit easier, and I actually enjoyed the second watch a little bit better. I was, you know, I, I woke up, I had a couple cups of coffee, I was took myself out of the nod, a bit, uh, the nod zone, if you will, and I, <laughs> yeah. I was uh, ready to go. So having uh, some familiar, familiarity, still didn't say it right, but I won't say it again, uh, watching the first time and, and some of the names that, that, that came, came out, the Sloans, the, uh, the Swans, the, the, the... There's a lot. There's the Colsons, the Sloans, <laughs> Magruber. the Magrubers, <laughs> the Segretis, yeah, Segretti. Chapins, uh, the Porters. Well, have to, There's a lot. Remind me to talk about Segretti. That was an interesting character. Uh, as short as uh, the scene that was. Uh so, with that being said, my knowledge of Watergate is, you know me, I'm not well-read or educated. No. Uh, I was aware that there was... You barely a, watch movies. <laughs> 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 uh, I was aware of, of course, Watergate, and I enjoy making the joke of something gate, you know, just to make fun of something. Of course. Or a scandal. Uh, mm-hmm. I, knew, I knew Nixon was the only one to really go to China. For, for American president, or the first, anyways. That's the impression I mm-hmm, got. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's in Star Trek too. Actually, only Nixon, only Nixon, only can, go Nixon can go to China. Only Nixon go to China. So I knew it was in regards to some bugging, and, and like the, some, mm-hmm. some the Democrats, like their opposition. I didn't necessarily know why. Now you mentioned okay. Nixon is a, a paranoid individual, or was, sorry, had, had some paranoia. Mm-hmm. That makes sense now <laughs> that mm-hmm. he would do that. Uh, but trying to follow the paper trail and connecting the dots between characters, I I got most of it the second watch enough to for the movie not to negatively make me impact my viewing. Where Great. I think it, there is that possibility where it, if you're really you got to pay attention, definitely for sure. It's easy to. There's certain things I still don't quite understand. Some of the conversations with with Deep Throat. Uh, I, I would probably have to go back to really get the whole picture, but I got enough mm-hmm. of the picture for me to be able to understand what's going on. Why are they talking to certain people? Why certain events are happening? Why can't they print this? And it was, and it was very. I found the movie quite compelling. Uh, to uh, mostly again in around the the gathering of information, which I thought was quite sure. interesting, and really opened up the. Uh, put some light on some th- cur- things I was curious about the journalistic world of how they get information, what they're allowed to write, you know, free speech, mm-hmm. uh, freedom of press, and what have you. So I think the film does a really good job. It felt, the f- I don't know, again, I can't go on record in saying how accurate that world is, but it felt they certainly pr- portrayed it to be to be real to me. Anyways, the whole, what it's like to be Bob Woodward or, or Bernstein. That felt pretty yes. pretty well done. Uh, but I, again, I can't. <laughs> I'll have to remain anonymous because I don't know. I don't have any uh, hands-on experience in in that world. But it certainly did a great job of portraying it. I think uh, I'm, I'm sure that you'll agree. And I think from an acting perspective, there's a lot of other. I, I was really uh, not blown away. It's a little strong, but I, re- I really admired the the performances of the senior staff as well. On top of yes. Hoffman and, and Redford and Warden, for example, I just I just gra- oh, I loved him, and I think um, yeah. the gentleman who played Bradley, I believe, won 
Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, and I, Best Supporting Actor, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was surprised. I liked the role, but I, I didn't feel like he was in enough to necessarily win that. But I, but I, I enjoyed the, the performance. So all in all, that really helped the story as well. So it, it sold me on the world in general. So that's my long. Well, my I agree. Answer. I mean, ultimately, I, it's not that short. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the the duty it was, it seems, to Redford to really tell the story as accurately as possible. You know, those those guys wrote the articles and then were publishing a book, writing a book, and they were originally going to kind of write it, they said, in, in a somewhat fictionalized perspective, that of the burglars, and incorporate their research and their study, their journalism within. And Redford uh, had apparently been following and, and had said that uh, his focus and what he wanted to focus on and what he suggested the book focus on was really just the two of them. Mm-hmm. And and the movie, I think, delivers on that so fully. Yes. And I think, and by doing so, there isn't like this sort of romantic love interest. There isn't any any complexities beyond what is the job. You know, that, that these two live this job. And in terms of, uh, you know, um, verisimilitude, they built the set of the Washington Post uh, you know, to to, right, to scale. as best as they possibly could, yeah, to scale to like accurately kind of represent what that mm-hmm. what that you know uh, newspaper looked like and felt like at the time. And I think everything in the movie, at least by all accounts, you know, uh, over time, and and some of it may be exaggerated, but there was a real distinct pressure by Redford and obviously the two guys to make this movie as accurately as possible. And so this is why I think. It's 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 it is that sort of gold standard for journalism in that way, and I think I think about a little bit when I'm watching this movie about the French Connection. We talked about that movie, also available in the archives. We we talked about that movie, and, and one of the things I really loved about it was the 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 time of it. You know, they're on that stakeout, and they're just hiding in a car for, and they're driving around, and they're waiting to find something, and. While that may at the time, I believe you said that it was sort of boring. Um, this I find is a lot of that same thing, right? Everything feels like it takes time, but I'm never bored in this movie. Uh, and so I find that that the ability that the, the movie has, whether it's the performances, the direction, cinematography, whatever the case, it has the ability to keep it compelling. And I've seen this movie, as I said, so often, mm-hmm. and yet, and yet, it's still completely compelling. And part of that, I mean, again, it's the visual language of the film. I mean, it's it's shot by the director of photography, Gordon Willis, who is really just one of the one of the greats. He's so fantastic. Uh, one of the things uh, it, he he he's done, obviously, he's did the Godfather movies, um, but he is nicknamed the Prince of Darkness. And this movie really capitalized on that. And what I think is so fascinating and just so great is the, say the contradiction, let's say, between the darkness that they're in most of the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> particularly, you know, the deep throat and obviously the opening we'll get to. But the contrast of that with the bright lights yeah. of the of the newsroom. Yeah, the white floor. Right. And, and as yeah. you said, that's where the action is on some level. And 
I think that there's something really great about like, you know, if you really want to dig a little bit, right? It's like, well, you, you, the truth comes to light, right? That's the thing, right? The, the lies live in the darkness and the truth comes to light. So the, 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 the implication yeah. is that the newsroom is operating as this. It, the reason it's so lit is like that's where the truth is, you know, and it may have to be sifted and, and manipulated and, control, you know, contorted, but the truth lives there. And you just have to piece it together from all the darkness that you've kind of come from. And uh, I don't think that's a bit of a stretch. I think there's a lot of kind of visual language to this movie that I think is really powerful. You, you um, have a pretty and, good eye for that. And I do not necessarily have. As good. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, it's just well lit because they're, they're typing and they need to, you know, they need their lot of reading. So they, so they want a well lit area. Sure. And, uh, well, I mean, if you go to any office building, it's it's bright, right? But I think it's it's specific in contrast to the darkness in this movie that it, that I think it, yeah. it, that's where it's uh, kind of rooted. Yeah, no, that, that's an interesting uh, observation, so, and it makes sense. I love I love those uh, when they they do it in such a way where, say, someone like me may not. Oh, look at mm-hmm. that! Uh, yeah. Yet it's just so put together so tight as well. This movie that uh, it's. I don't need to know. It, it just it exists, and I'm appreciating yeah. it, the movie as a whole. If it's this, if it's that, uh, and it just does a, a pretty good job. Well, that's the best part. Yeah, but one thing I will say that's going to go a little bit against it, and it's it, it's just an interesting observation. We recently, I mean, week before last, we watched uh, Days of Wine and Roses, black and white. Yes. Yes. I thought visually this movie was easier. Uh, sorry, that movie was easier on the eyes than this one in regards to just quality of screen. Like this, the black and white movie was, though black and white, it was for me extremely clear. Mm. Where I felt this one, although color, it was a little rough around the edges when I was. It was a little bit harder on the eyes, uh, visually speaking. Not the way it was shot, because there's some good shots, but just just visually, I feel like. In '62, we had, they had peaked at black and white. Now you're getting the best possible black and white color in '62, <laughs> and here in '76, uh-huh. a little bit later, it's like, well, now we're color, but you're getting the worst, <laughs> the worst of the color. And now here okay. in 2022, we're at you know at 8K, whatever we're getting, we're, we're peaking to to color. I don't know what what else, where we can go from there, but I thought it was just a little rough around the edges, uh, but only really because of a product of, of, of its time, really. Nothing to do with... Yeah, I think that's stock. the 70s type. Yeah. I think that's just the, te- the 70s type of film stock. It's just the 70s way of filmmaking. You know, Jaws is something similar. Also came it's out... It's a Dog Day Afternoon. Five. I thought they did a really Dog good... Afternoon, now, maybe they one. remastered that. And because that... Looked, yeah, maybe you just watched a crappy that's transfer of some kind. Or you <laughs> got to Apple your, TV. Your, your settings. It should be Apple uh, TV. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what's happening your way. But I... I I, I there's a couple of, of shots uh, in this movie that I think are again very telling and subtle and yet also very specific and uh, so I, again it's worth shouting out uh, worth shouting out Gordon Willis because well, he's really a phenomenal cinematographer. He didn't get a whole lot of wins, but there was a lot of nominations. That's the impression I got when I sort of just glanced over it. To, uh, had it oh yeah, absolutely. Here, so it had eight nominations. Mm-hmm. That's a uh, that's a lot. He won. They won four. Okay, that's more. Yeah. So okay. it's not uh, it's not nothing. No, you don't. That's nothing to, sh- to shake a stick at. Now I will say the first the first fifteen for me uh, was a a little underwhelming for today's standards. 
for me. Uh, Nothing blew up. You're right. Nobody died. There wasn't. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't explosions. Yeah. But just the, the burglary itself. That, that I think that was just to okay. Th- here it is. Here's the burglary. Yeah. And let's just get the movie going. So I I, I understood it that that's not where that need the there's no action required. They just you want to show it that this is what we're going to be talking about. They don't need to do anything special. Uh, so I, it wasn't really an issue for me, but it, it certainly. Uh, the way the movie was introduced was like, oh, okay, you know, it wasn't like, oh, this is gonna be so cool. Uh, it was just yeah. how the how the movie, for me anyway, snowballed. It was a snowball movie yeah. where you could feel like the snowball could melt at any time on them. You know, if they don't get, for example, the librarian, if she had got mm-hmm. the memo a little bit earlier, <laughs> and just said she knew nothing about it right from the beginning, the story stops. Yes. Now, it may not stop yeah. permanently, but it stops and they have to go about it another way, which they which they do a great job of just, you know, thinking of how, how to go about that. Let's do this. Let's do this. So that was really interesting and very intriguing. Uh, but at any point in time, they could have hit that wall, that roadblock. And the fact that it is based on true events, I think a lot of that is, is, is true. So it's like, oh, wow, that's kind of neat. So I, I appreciate well, I think that, that that's. I agree. I think that's the magic of the movie, mm-hmm. ultimately, is that anything, you know, any left turn, right turn, someone doesn't pick up the phone, someone says, I've got nothing to say, and actually says nothing. You know, the, it derails the story, it derails the movie, obviously, and derails the entire, you know, history and future of the, of the, of the U.S. presidency. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I agree. I think those are the things that make this movie so compelling and so fascinating and so interesting. And I also love... You know, again, we're talking about the sort of subtle, not just the visual, but there's an audio component that I find completely compelling in this movie as well. Now it opens, we'll get into the movie itself, but uh, the opening shot, just over white, and then just like a a hammer sound Mm -hmm. of uh, the keys as they hit, and they basically give you the date. And that, I thought is persisted throughout the movie. If you really pay attention, and, and again, it's subtle, but the sound of typewriters seemingly is just amped way up when they're in the in the in the um, yeah. in the newsroom and throughout. And every time they're typing, it just feels like it's 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 just coming loud and clear. And I, I think it's it's definitely telling that that it's it's the it's the explosion, you know. It's the it's the it's the it's the murder weapon. It's yeah. the gunfire, yeah. you know. To me, it's like those are the things Ooh, that's good too. obviously brought the you're on fire today. Brought the uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's what brought down the presidency, right? The words and the and the typing, and and I think again they use make very good use of that orally as a way, as a way to to tell that story. It's really impressive, and so to open that way, I think it's really excellent. And I had a little subtle little thing before. Uh, you know, we'd been talking a little bit around, you know, I, I, we went back 40 years with Poltergeist and we went back 60 years with uh, Days of Wine and Roses. Mm-hmm. And while this movie is 1976, it came out, it is set in 1972. So we are going back 50 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, the, so, so the street continues a little bit on <laughs> okay. that front. You just uh, want to be clear. For the record, for the record. I just want to be clear that there is a method to some of the madness <laughs> that I didn't immediately specify, and, and that was uh, that was a nice little uh, treat. <laughs> so I agree. In terms of the movie, and you mentioned the opening, the burglary, I agree in that it is really just there to 
set the stage. Yeah, get the you know, it isn't meant. Rolling. Yeah, just get the ball. Rolling. Yeah, and, and I think this movie is a snowball. I think it's both a snowball and the way they do it in the movie is really quite incredible from the subtle choices they make all the way to the big ones. And we'll kind of get into some of the, the sort of visual clues that kind of let it feel that way. But I agree in that it's not very dynamic. It's not very exciting. Um, but it, I think it does, as you said, it has to be there just to at least set a tone. But the movie really starts with, you know, they're in the newsroom, hearing the conversation, you know, this thing happened, you know, and then waking Woodward up and getting him to the courthouse. That's, to me, the movie. You know, that's yeah. when it really starts. And Warden, as you said, he's just so great. He's, he's not an actor that I yeah. that I know a lot of. You know, he's he's in a up. bunch of movies that I... Pardon me? You just, yeah, he pop, for me, he just pops up here and there i can't uh, yes yeah. absolutely he's not a he's not a guy that i can you know pinpoint or or you know rhyme off 10 movies he made but he is in some great movies like the verdict with paul newman which he's great in uh he was in the aviator so there's a couple of movies that i've seen that i really like him in but um uh it's it was great to see him basically i was like god you're really really good in this movie and i think the same i think the same is true of martin balsam you know who who I know from Psycho uh, was nice to see him, but I, I would have believed in this newsroom that everybody in this movie worked in a newsroom. There's such a I like think a, a comfort, yeah, yep. and, and had been working there for a while. You know, because I feel like the relationships between everybody, the kind of busting each other's balls and the the yeah. kind of camaraderie and and the it felt very cohesive. I really I was really impressed by that and the way the, that relationship all worked and they're all actors you know no, no one is a, a, a journalist in that in that whole group but yet it felt like that i think that's really great casting and it's really powerful stuff it reminded me a little bit of the money ball scene with the, with the scouts yeah uh, sure i like them both for different reasons because it's a different world the sporting world and, and the journalistic world but I, that's the the vibe i got i thought it's, it, I, the dynamic between them all like you said yes it was just I love it. One of my favorite scenes, Phil, is and it's so it's such a small thing, but I don't know what it is. But it just it is about this. So, it's I believe it was Bradley's character was sitting in his office yep. at the desk, mm-hmm. having a casual conversation with who I believe to be a salesperson that he had a relationship yeah. with, and sure. that for whatever reason, how the dialogue was and the body language, it was. And it was so organic and so fluid. I thought this is so real. This is, yeah. I don't know. And then he, and the salesman on the way out, you know, get him to buy something or tell him to buy something. You know. Yeah. And I, I just thought that was just uh, that relationship is between those two people was. I just really appreciate that that fifteen second scene or whatever. <laughs> a little bit longer than that, but uh, and it just popped. That's the scene that it's that really has nothing to do with. The movie and doesn't need to be there, but I love it, and just because yeah. of, of how well it's performed and how it just allows you to uh, put you into that world uh, of of the newsroom of the of the newsroom, I guess the news office, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just an example. But at the same time, I also like when they're all at the table. That's a more you know a bigger scene. Uh, more yes, absolutely. having a conversation about, but uh, it's just, I don't know, it's just the, the banter. It's, uh, you know, and even the foreign guy, which was played by um, John McMartin, a small, mm-hmm. small role. Uh, of course, he was in an episode of Frasier, and then, of course, we have Richard Hurd, who was in an episode of Seinfeld. 
one of the uh, five guys in the burglaries. So just a shout out to John McNartin, uh, John McMartin, and Richard Hurd. Great performances. Okay, very good. Yeah, but uh, but I just love going them going around the table. They each okay. What do you have? What do you have? Okay, really, I really was impressed by it. Yeah, well, I think you know this goes to the the point we talked about last week where everything felt authentic. In I think you know we talked about how it felt like it was real. Those conversations that they were having in the special relationship, you know, that that seemed like a legitimate. The words were true, let's say, mm-hmm. but the or the ideas behind the words were true. But I never got the sense that they were like this, where I feel like this is almost improv- improv- improvised, yes. and it isn't. Yeah, it's incredibly well written. Yeah. But I do think that there is a situation where this is again a comfort amongst these actors and in this room and in this situation that the conversations all felt completely authentic to me, fully truthful, honest, authentic, real. And that's something I thought I felt was missing from the previous one, mm-hmm. uh, last Agreed, week's movie. Yeah. And this one, I think, fully delivers on that. I think everything, as you said, just the way that the lines just seem to flow off. I think they're all really incredible and and did did really great great work. I believe um, and uh, Redford made a few mistakes and they kept it in because because of that because it, it absolutely felt so. Uh, does anyone speak English? I mean Spanish. Yep. <laughs> and there's another one. He, there's a couple. Of, he messed up a name yeah. or something, and then they left it in because it's how organic and how authentic it sounded. That's impressive. Yes, I think there's 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 about three three different scenes like that. Whether it's uh, Hoffman or Redford, where they do, for lack of a better term, mess up their lines, and it's kept in the movie. And I think, again, there's just something really really special about something as sim- as simple as that where it doesn't take away from the storytelling, it adds a level of authenticity, and it shows, frankly, how good a, an actor they are. That they can be so in the character, that even though they know they're messing up, there isn't a moment of, oh shit, yeah, cut, you know, cut, or cut. cut, let's do another one. Yeah. Or as an editor and, and as a director, Pakula, and you know the ability to, to choose that take, you know, to, to have a look and, you know, it's, it's edited by Robert Wolf. And the idea that 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 ultimately it's kept in right again, that, that, that the director doesn't want to over, you know, get another shot or another another take. And the editor says this is the right one, you know, and, and they combine to, to put that in the movie. I think it's really powerful. It's a testament to just how good those performances are. And uh, I agree. There, it, it's, a, it's a great moment in the thing. I, I just think it's so great. What I love about the movie is really how quickly the the story, how quickly they get on the story. They're eager for it, hungry. and they really want they're it. Hungry for they're it. They're hungry. Yes, yes. That's a character. And I like that they for sure. I've heard that a lot, and it's all about being hungry, and you want the story. You Absolutely. Have, you want the scoop. You got to fight for it, right? You got to yeah. dig for it, if you will. You got the scoop. It was like House of Cards uh, uh, season one, which is, I I think that's why I liked season one actually of House of Cards. Because of yes. the, uh, what was it? Washes that I don't know if it was was the Post or the Herald. Anyway, I think it was the Post. Uh, yeah. And I forget her name, uh, but <laughs> this is <a> great story. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he ended up killing her, like pushing her in front of a train. Yes. And like, oh, yeah, okay. spoiler. <laughs> don't watch it. It's a terrible. Series. No, just kidding. It's okay. But I, I think that's why I've lost interest in it too, because that isn't part of that show anymore. 
So I thought that. Yeah, was- that first season is a lot about that. Yeah. It comes back in the fourth season a little bit, but yeah, that first season is a lot of the journalism kind of trying to like uncover the truth. Yeah. Around uh, Frank Underwood, I agree. It's just it adds such a great piece to any story, or particularly po- po- political stories, is the sort of it's a scrappy underdog and what have you. And it's like you said, it's digging, it's it's fighting, yeah. it's getting hungry for it. And I think that that's compelling. It's compelling just in general to yeah. watch somebody. And you're going to step on a, a few foot. That's what I was actually trying to get to on the house card. Like you, you, you're you going to step on feet. You're going to piss people off. Oh, I've been, in, mm-hmm. I've been here for 10 years and now you get the, you know, you get to go to the White House and you've only been here six months. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I'm sleeping with us. <laughs> so I guess how that works. But uh, sure. so yeah, it's a it's a whole world, and it's quite it's quite intriguing. It's it's quite intriguing. Well, I think, and this again, this movie really does a good job on that because you shows those two characters, obviously our our main guys, as being competitors on some level. Yeah, you know, I Woodward, like I like how they did make that the thing. Maybe because it wasn't a thing in real life. I thought at first maybe they'll be bumping heads and working uh, against each other, but they they have a, a classic Redford line. <laughs> Where, where he pretty much says, "I don't mind that you did it. It's just the way you did yes. it." And that's that's Redford. Yep. That's, that's that's such a Redford line. And it's a great line too. Oh, it's yeah. a total Redford line. Yeah. And I was like, "Okay, cool." And and, and I like I like their. I don't even know why I put, set, set myself up to say this word. I like their camaraderie. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, throughout <laughs> the movie and how they work over. Oh, I got this. And like, oh, I already got it. And that's an opportunity for one person to get kind of resentful. It's like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, that's great. I'm coming over. You know, it's so I, I. Yeah, they're really kind of fighting for that story together. Yeah. And I, you know, I like again that you've got Woodward, who's only been there nine months. Yeah. And I Bernstein's kind of holding a little bit of. A, I forget that sometimes. Sorry? I think I forget, and there's a a moment where something about Colson. And like, oh yeah, he's only been yeah. here nine months, but but other, well, he doesn't know Colson. He doesn't know Colson's name. Yeah, and Warden comes and is like, dude, he's the you know second or third most <laughs> important person in the entire government. You know, he's the special special uh, lawyer uh, or to the or... to the president. You know, he's yeah. basically like his number two or three. So. If you don't know that name, as he says, you're going to get fired because you're an idiot. And I think that's just, again, it shows in very short order that Woodward is coming at it from a under position, let's say. And Bernstein, Bernstein's pacing around the room. He's trying to get on the story. He's begging Warden. He's like, are you done yet? And, he, and, and, and he's like, well, it's, yeah, it's done. It's done. And so, well, give it to me. He's like, well, I'm just polishing it. Right? Like, he's clearly... He's, he's eager to get in on the story. And so when he's when they're given and granted sort of access to it, they recognize that they have to work together. But there is still the you're not doing it right or I would do it this way and that way. And the movie progresses. And as the movie progresses, that relationship grows to the point where, as you said, they're finishing each other's sentences. They're they're really kind of showing that camaraderie and yeah. they're kind of they're they're getting the things each other need. Yeah. And when they when they split up, they when those scenes come back and they're together, whether it's Bernstein kind of calling with excitement about, you know, he uncovered something or it's running down the street to catch up to him in the car or Woodward kind of throwing his bit around, it shows a real growth. And I, and I really am impressed by that as I am by, we talked a little bit about the sort of evolution of the story. And what I like in, in, in newspaper terminology without ever saying it, uh, maybe they actually say it at the beginning a little bit, but they talk about, how this is a page one story and you know bradley's like ah, is sticking in the, in yeah. the metro section you know yeah. like that it doesn't it isn't there yet 
And what ends up happening is those first stories that they're publishing are in the middle of the newspaper. You don't see them. And then gradually you get through the newspaper being slapped on a desk or delivered at the news at the at the you know on the ground to the news news uh, news ha- uh, shacks you know out on the streets uh, you get the stories progressing from below the fold you know from inside the page to below the fold to above the fold to top headline you know and that's how that story is progressing and again it's very subtle mm-hmm. but it's it's showing that the work that they're doing is not only getting better more detailed in that Bradley wants to put it on the upfront but also the story as they continue to dig for it is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, it's yeah. not just the break-in. It's now this other piece and this other piece. Oh, my God, this other piece. And it's really quite a, a, a great shorthand of storytelling to, 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 to do that. And particularly it's because it's in the language of journalism. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed by that. It's something, again, very subtle, but it's really it tells a powerful story even in a very subtle way. It's you know, as it gets closer to the front page, at the same time, it gets closer to Nixon. Absolutely. Time. Yeah, and exactly. And by the front, then, well, spoil alert, uh, <laughs> if you didn't know. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it is great storytelling, and it's just the way it progresses throughout and their, how their relationship grows, how the story grows. They grow with the story, and, and, and then they throw in all those interviews they have with, with you know, people who... Oh, yes. That, uh, <laughs> that's a lot. I find that quite interesting. It just shows even that first scene when they're in the courthouse, where Woodward's in the courthouse, and he bumps into uh, the lawyer, yeah, just what, a lawyer. What was him? And was, I like him. <laughs> yeah, he was, in, okay. he was in an episode of Star Trek TNG, and the the scene he he does, and this is why I appreciate this actor is he, it it makes me tear up every time. It's the episode where where Data builds an android that's his kid. And this okay. this actor is 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 there to take the, take it away and and basically take Data's daughter away, and he ends up helping Data try to fix her because she she overloads and breaks down. It's a, a powerful scene that he delivers okay. delivers so well, where he's he comes in here like a real bit of a dick, it, you know, and then <laughs> ends up you know trying to help. And the way he plays it was amazing, and I wanted a little bit more of him. But even in the, in the this one, basically one scene he's in, I tell, I like this guy. He's, I couldn't find him even in the credits because I guess he doesn't have a, a photo up. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I like how he had to clarify that he's, well, I am here. <laughs> I don't need yes. <laughs> that's yes. funny. Yes, that, I, that's what I, I kind of got a kick out of. But I like, and that's, again, just showing the journalistic approach to it, right? Yeah. Which is, is, I'm not here. Oh, okay. And then comes back and asks him again and comes back and asks him again and comes back and asks him again. And each time he gets a little bit more or he gets some direction or even just the mere fact that he is there triggers something in his brain. I think that's, again, the mark of of that quality sort of journalism is that sort of like, well, I'm going to start connecting some dots here. Why are you here? I'm going to ask the questions. I'm going to dig. I'm going to look and I'm going to dig and I'm going to look. And I really like it. And it sets the tone again. If the burglary is the the opening of the movie, you know, for the sake of giving us a reason to want, you know, know what's happening. It's that scene and those scenes that tell me this is what they do. This is who they are. And I found that scene to be really very, um, both kind of funny, but also really just compelling. And, and the performance again, of Redford sort of getting his feet wet is a great, it's a great showcase scene for that, I think. And, and so I love it. And, you know, talking about interviews, 
you know, that's one way we just sort of keep asking the question as it were, as pretending as if he didn't say anything. And people often, I think, in those situations, you know, well, they want to talk. And we see it throughout this whole yes. movie, right? They, they, yeah. they, they want to, but they can't where, yeah. for a variety of reasons. And even that first one we talk about, we talked about authenticity a lot or a little earlier. And in watching that first sort of scene with Dustin Hoffman and the very attractive girl right away, you know, again, that his her first real journalistic kind of research scene, uh, trying to to get the names, you know, of some people that yeah, work there. Big list. Yeah. Um, she he, there's there's airplanes, you know, over over while they're talking. Oh, yes, while they're outside yeah. having the cafe. Yes, yes. And there's something about that that again, it's like any other director, or you know, any other, but many other directors would you know cut. We'll wait till the planes go and we'll start again. And I'm really impressed by the fact that they didn't do that. It's that's it's, again something small, mm-hmm. but it makes you, I think subconsciously feel like you're in the room you're in the conversation and a plane would come over so that's real it happens and I, i'm really impressed by that and uh yeah. and there's many other opportunities that we'll get to them with the sort of interviewing people but those are things that i just think are such a great way to early on show who these people are and what they're doing and the ways in which they do it you know uh, there's something that woodward is a little bit more rigid let's say Whereas Bernstein's kind of a charmer, you know, he's just kind of flirting a little bit with this woman and he's mm-hmm. kind of smiling and, and laughing and, you know, oh, my, my girlfriend told me about you. Oh, yeah. really? What? Like, in, <laughs> there's a real casual conversation there. And I, I think that, again, you kind of get all of that in the first 20 minutes of the movie. I'm really impressed by it because it's, it's at 30 minutes, really, that we get the, the library shot. Yes. And this, to me, is like that first sort of showcase moment of uh, the needle in a needle in a stack of needles, you know, to quote our uh, Saving Private Ryan episode, you know, where they're they're looking for every book that, you know, that the White House has asked for on, on Ted Kennedy. Teddy Key. And they have the stacks and stacks and stacks of them. Okay. And they're, they're, so yeah, anyway, it's just a great, great shot. I, I'm really, uh, I continue to be impressed by it. It's not like a unique shot, but it shows it's the sort of this pull back up and, and reveal that they're just two guys against the, the machine. And there's a couple other moments throughout the movie where they're pulling out of the news, uh, the newsroom or, or the offices. And this, you know, pan, you know, keeps pulling back and back and back to reveal that they're just this little car in this big city trying to sort it out. And uh, yeah, some overhead the, shots again. Yeah. 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 Just visual motive, visual motif that says like you're small in an otherwise wide large frame mm-hmm. and again it's 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 uh i don't think it's it may be not very subtle but i don't think it's very um showy either no, i think no. it's just perfect yeah. i think it just just sort of perfectly crystallizes what that is yeah you don't have to worry about you don't have to worry too much about showy stuff in 76 uh until later um i don't think oh, i'm just kidding there, there's always something new coming out uh every it's time. the year of uh, rocky where the steady cam was really the oh, okay. you know, first really introduced to the to the world, and, oh. and that was like a, a revelation in Marvel, and, and would consider some in the case of showy, but oh. um, revolutionized camera work in '76. <laughs> there you go. You know, it's funny it, when you see a, a journalism journalist trying to get information. There's this fine line between forceful and persuasive. Mm-hmm. That's very you yeah. be very careful. It's there's at one point where Bernstein is almost forcing himself into a home. It's very, yes, very borderline. Uh, but like you said, they, everyone wants to talk because they don't want to be, they want to relieve themselves of the, either the guilts, 
uh, or, or it's it's hard to keep to yourself and you want the truth to be told, but you can't tell it. And that's very interesting to, to to go throughout that and play play the game of give me the information without giving me the information. And I, I think it was very, very, very intriguing for me and compelling to watch this and how they go about getting information and what they can print without having a source, like not naming the source. You just, yeah. you just have to be right at the end, right. unlike today, where you don't even have to be right anymore. You can just you can be you can be Fox News, right? You could just do it anyways. Now they're getting sued for uh, billions of dollars now, and I hope that goes through. But because at that point you're just saying whatever you want without doing any sort of research. And I find with the introduction of the internet, journalism will of course obviously never be the same. Uh, and I, I don't know. There's a charm to it that I think is gone now, unfortunately, because of the how we get our information and what. You know how, how easy it is to, you know, you go on the internet. There's a billion sources of information filled with garbage ads, yeah, where you don't really, you know, get the. I like I miss the newspaper. I miss. I guess I could still get it. I guess if I missed it that much, but there, there's something <laughs> yeah, about yeah, getting struggling, yeah, <laughs> getting that Sunday edition or, you know, that reading the the the. I was a big fan of the Ottawa Sun because I found it easier to open and read. Then the you know the big paper read unfolded and had all the sections and sure. all that. So I'm, I'm again. There's a broadsheet. Broadsheet is what the citizen was called, and uh, tabloid okay. is what the sun was called. Oh, so you prefer you. the tabloid. Tab- yeah, I love the uh, yeah, wow, you know? wire and the, the globe. Those are all good. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, you know, I, I for the I did take journalism in school briefly, and okay. uh, that's, that's, that's the one takeaway. Um, I agree I think you know you get to see a lot of those kind of methods and it's really great but again I think he's charming people and he's kind of finessing them to get in the room and he's sort of willing to stay and persevere there's scenes there's there's scenes where he's trying to, uh, you know, at the Dade County meeting with with Ned Beatty, yes. and he's trying to manipulate again. He's calling the secretary, "Hey, can you go check this out?" And he kind of barges in. So there's times where he is forceful, and there's times where he kind of has to be, and there's other times where, where again, uh, it's a gentle touch that you need. There are times Woodward does the same, where it's sort of like there's times when he is um manipulate the situation with their coworker, you know to get the the name of all the people that work there at creep yeah and he's trying to convince the woman to go sleep with this guy that she just broke up with and he says you know what don't just forget it like he's trying to be noble guy that worked but he also knows that he's laid the groundwork and that's why he looks behind him when he when he when he walks past because he's okay he's going to manipulate the situation i like that there's a later on scene when he goes to interview sloan where uh, for like the second time and he talks about how it's really for his benefit that we're here and as sloan's yes. wife kind of says like no, no it's, it's not meredith baxter yeah. and there's a beautiful moment of, of of sort of recognition on redford i think he plays everything in this movie great but particularly this scene where he gets to look and just sort of recognize yeah i'm bullshitting it's not like i'm here for me like i'm here for mm-hmm. us i'm here for the story and I, I like that they sort of again they the movie kind of covers both of those angles that the cynical side that just says they're just after this thing, but the other side that says, well, yeah, but it's for the right reasons. And they're trying to pull what they can. And little things like, I know you can't, uh, we're not, you're not going to be my source, but like, tell me, you'll blink twice if I'm right. Or like, I'm going to give you an initial, is that going to be okay? Or hang up if you don't. So again, just finding ways to get people to their comfort zone, 
right? That they're coming in with, I'm not going to say anything to you. But okay, well, don't add, don't don't say anything. But can you mm-hmm. indicate some other way? And I think that's again a brilliant, probably anyway, a brilliant use of journalism in general, but particularly put to great use in this movie. I'm really impressed by plausible so deni- much of deniability. Was it called plausible deniability? Absolutely. Like yep. That. And yeah, and like why don't you just tell me? You just yeah, just say it. And it's like even the, the deep throat. You know what? That's enough. Just tell me. Okay, I'm done with these yes. games. Uh, and what did you think of uh, Deep Throat? Because this is sort of inter- he's introduced around 45, 40-ish minutes into the movie, so you've kind of geared up into it, and now Woodward's at a parking garage. You know, what, what are your thoughts on how that plays out? I probably from a filmic perspective, because it really happened at least for the most part yeah. in that kind of way, from, right? So, what is it about the movie? From the, from a, from a film perspective, I thought it was fine. I, I it it was pro- the scenes were more my least favorite scenes, and okay. also. Probably I felt the most confused uh, oh, okay. with that dialogue. I found it a little bit harder to follow what was going on with their conversation versus other conversations that Robert Redford was having with, on the phone with somebody he's trying to get information from or anything going on in the newsroom. I just felt that was most confusing for me. Uh, mm-hmm. But generally, I mean, it's an interesting concept, and obviously there's there's I read up I read up a little bit about it. I think X Files. Yeah. X Files decided to have that same type of character, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, oh, okay, for, for, I've never seen it. Oh, you haven't seen X Files? Well, yeah, I've never watched this episode. Yeah, no. I think it was an inspiration from this. I could be wrong. It's been a long, long time since I've seen it, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's interesting, and it, it, it does add that, that other element to 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 another element to the film, having somebody with all this information who's obviously we don't know what his real job is or who he works for and just feeding a little bit of information and just helping propel, like really pulling the strings uh, on some levels uh, on how quick these guys get the information. Cause he has already has yeah. all of it when he gives most it, of it. Yeah. Yeah. So when he gives it is really, you know, up to him. So, uh, and not being able to be named and <laughs> one of the senior staff, I call him Deep Throat, <laughs> this deep yes. background guy. Uh, yeah. So, so I looked up the you know Deep Throat. I got some other stuff, but I didn't really get. It. This wasn't the first thing that came up on the internet. Uh, but it's, <laughs> it's interesting. You <laughs> save that stuff for later. <laughs> I wasn't the performance itself. It didn't stand out for me uh, or anything like that. What are your thoughts in around it? It's ultimately it's one of the most memorable things of the movie, I think, not just for me necessarily, but like uh, kind of culturally, you know, it's the big takeaway. Obviously, the name kind of gives it a thing. The fact that it's secret, you know, that 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 name wasn't revealed until like 30 years, you know, in the later? 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, a, like a, a long time. Mark Mark Felt. Yeah. Felt. Yes. Uh, felt, yes which is, you know, the number two guy at the FBI and so on. So but up until then, nobody had any idea. There was some conjecture, you know, some would sort of put out the name. Right, but no one was sure, and the and the guys didn't reveal any source until, basically, until they they said ultimately until he was dead or until he agreed, you know, kind of outed himself, and eventually he did, before he died, and it's really an amazing. So so, so that's the sort and the imagery of the movie, you know, is the sort of dark, follow the money, kind of kind of attitude, you know, I think it, it, it does propel the movie. I think it does sort of have that connective tissue. So, I mean, granted, it's a bit of a mumbly performance, I suppose, you know, that there might be some confusion as to sort of what is said. Uh, uh, but I really like those scenes, I, I think. And I like that they escalate. Again, it's not just, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, uh, like, tell me. I'm sick of the Just game. tell me. Like, cut yeah. the games, you know, cut the shit. We're getting in this, and we're about to, you know, get in over our heads. So I like that escalation. I like the character, and I think... Uh, it was necessary. I like those scenes. I mean, yeah, you're not going to leave, you're not gonna leave that out, the fact that we're, we're dealing with yes. some real situations here. It's something you... Uh, you know, they leave a lot of the political stuff out to focus on the journalistic aspect of it, and, and this is a, a very important part of it. Uh, of it so mm-hmm. it, it has to be clearly it has to be in the movie there's, there's certainly no, no, yeah. no doubt about that and, and it, uh, it was filmed on site at a real parking garage from what I understand mm-hmm. and uh, again it goes with your whole dark versus light uh, sort, yes. sort of thing so it's uh, and then you have that one scene where there's a car and yeah. it squeals off and that which makes you wonder right is he being watched or so it just Absolutely. adds another level of, of intrigue uh, to the film. This movie, absolutely. This movie is kind of part of a sort of unofficial, what they call paranoia trilogy uh, that, that Alan Pakula directed. So it was okay. this in 71, uh, Parallax View with uh, Warren Beatty in 74, and then All the President's Men in 76. Okay. Now, I have both of those other movies on the list, so we're not going to talk too much about them specifically. They're not they're not connected at all, but the yeah. paranoia is the sort of the through line. That's why they call it that. And that scene, particularly when they hear the cars, the the car squealing, and this is the middle scene where where they meet up, and and that great moment where he's sort of walking away, you know, Deathrow disappears, yes. Redford's alone, you know, Woodward, and he's kind of walking away, and you can feel the tension. Now, there's not a really a lot of score in this movie, and all you're hearing is just the footsteps getting faster, and you know, and he's, and then that moment he kind of turns around with this sort of quick moment of what, you know, it's. It's so compelling to me. There's no reason for it necessarily. And there's a couple other scenes where Bernstein's having a conversation. There's a guy taking photos. Like It starts to feel like you're under this microscope and people are mm-hmm. looking at every move. And, sure, and obviously yeah. that, type, that type of town. And obviously it culminates later with yeah. the, you know your life's in danger stuff. But it's really, really excellent, I think, to kind of convey the paranoia. And I think it's also really fascinating to me is that this movie, again, in your case... You know, you didn't really know the story, but I and maybe the second watch you said was even more interesting to you on some level. Mm-hmm. And this is a movie that, like, basically, it came out four years after Nixon retire uh, resigned, right? Yeah. So it's like still in the public consciousness. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, everybody kind of knows what the, everyone knows what the answers are. You know, like everybody knows what happens at least generally. And yet, you can still make a movie that's two hours and ten minutes or so. And I find anyway it's so completely compelling. I'm really impressed by it. And it's little things like that paranoia and like that mm-hmm. the the way the interview tactics and the sort of pressures and so forth. I just think it, it's a it's a great way to tell the story. And getting back to the sort of newsroom, there's a scene in which you know Redford Woodward is trying to kind of put things together. It's like a it's a beautiful shot. It's six about six minutes, and it's got. On the left side of the screen, it's like the newsroom is off watching TV. There's some governor's race that they're watching or something in the background. And Redford is in the foreground. Both are in focus. It's called a split diopter shot. So you can have two things things in focus at the same time on two different planes, uh, foreground and background. And um, anyway, it just is, and it's a slow, 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 slow push in. And this is where he's like, can anybody speak English? He's just pounding the pavement, this guy. Right? He's making calls. He's calling. He's calling. Mm-hmm. He's calling. He's taking notes. He's calling. Yeah. And and 
this is where he kind of messes up the language, you know, and look, anyone speak English? I mean, Spanish, you know, he's really just trying to dig in, but that shot is just, again, it's like the world's creeping in on. We talked a little bit about this in Goodfellas. Like there's just this little slow movement, such as such subtle camera moves that like the newsroom is busy doing other things. And this guy is still just pounding the pavement on this one story. Mm-hmm. And the camera's pushing in as if the world is kind of closing in on him. And I just think those subtle, subtle moves are, are really impressive to me. And I really love it. I, think, I really love it. I think the paranoia is warranted when you. I feel when you feel like you're getting close to something big. And yeah, yes. I don't know if it's. I think that's the point where they realize it's inside the White House. I think that might be it. Uh, no, it's a little earlier than that, but okay. Uh, but just having a feel like you, even if you don't know everything, you have a feeling. This gut feeling. They talk about gut feelings later instincts. Yes. That this is pretty big. Then, then yeah, that's that's warranted paranoia. Uh, you know, yeah, well, absolutely. Especially when the whole movie is, is basically the whole story starts with with bugging, like yes. with listening in. We already know there's. We found out later, Segretti, the things he did in college were, were yeah. worse than they were doing now, which was quite interesting. Just to get yeah, to get yeah. the competitive edge. That's really a, what the if you dumb this thing down to its very core, it's just breaking the rules to get the edge, more or less. I think absolutely. Unless I'm yeah, missing they something. they want they want the. They want the power, right? Yeah. It's ultimately what it all comes down yeah. to, right? They want to run against who they run against, so they, that's why they create this Canuck letter, which comes out later, and they want to run against McGovern, it's, and they want to, you know, they want to manipulate the situation so that they have the access to better their odds, then better their situation, and keep them in power for as long as possible. I mean, that's it, sort of the, the sad story uh, of yeah, the story, and it's all thwart, thwarted. I like to use the word thwarted by a janitor, really. Yeah, ultimately, if, yeah. If he doesn't notice that door, I think again, correct me if I'm wrong, but. That's what yeah, no, that's why he that's, called the cops yeah. is because he found a door yep. that had been uh, uh, messed with, and and so that's how it all started out. So that's just imagine that janitor didn't come along. And it's a whole Absolutely. different story. Just like in certain parts of this movie, had the librarian not said, "Oh, uh, Hunt, yeah, he he checked out a bunch yes. of stuff. Give me one second. Oh, never mind. Uh, no, I don't know <laughs> anything. Never happened. Yeah, that's it. I uh, never even heard of Hunt. Right. Yeah. yeah. So little conversations like that. And that just makes the good journalists better is the ones that are able to get that information with the words they choose, with the tactics they choose, being persuasive and just have or charming as, as Birdstein clearly is. And a big smoker. Uh, I hope oh, he gosh. I hope he never yeah. had to do a story about the tobacco companies because there'd be a huge conflict interest. <laughs> uh, conflict of Absolutely. interest there. Every oh, he made it me want to smoke, man. <laughs> well they got that thing too redford kind of calls him out on it too he yeah. said twice he serves in the elevator yeah. like, is there any place you don't smoke yeah and there's another scene later where he's like we're both talking on the, the to couch. sloan and, and he leans over and just like watches it off the couch yeah. like come on you slob i love i love the the dynamic there for sure and there, yeah another subtle moment is they're excited they figured something out i think they're in i think redford's apartment maybe and yeah. he throws him a cookie he's like i don't want a cookie <laughs> <laughs> I don't want a cookie. It's such a great it throwaway line. But again, it feels so real. And I hate to keep repeating ourselves, but that's the kind of movie that this, or the that the, the way that this movie is, it's absolutely feels natural. It feels like these two are actually on something. They're excited. They're, you know, they're ready to kind of go with it. And they kind of do that. It's really impressive to me. I, I love the way that they kind of work off each other. Yeah. And I, I like the... You know, as they're sort of starting that investigation part, and they're we're talking about paranoia and the sort of secrecy of everything. You know, the first one they really kind of experience is that 
that woman that that is handling the shredding, you know, and she's at the door and she's almost in tears. Yes, yes. You know, she's like, you're going to, and like the first time she's like, I'd rather not say anything more. And she's kind of quiet. And then Woodstein, as they say, um, basically are like, well, then go back and interview her. You know, let's go back and talk to her again. And she's so terrified. You know, they'll see you. They'll see. And, you know, all this stuff. It's so clear that these guys are in some danger, right? And and, and it keeps going higher and higher. And I thought her performance was really good. But it does set a, a, a tone for the way that things are going to escalate. Um, and it's, it's really... Uh, really impressive and that's kind of the same that moment where they that where they drive away from her is where again they're just one car in the in the middle of washington trying to sort out the world you know it's really quite powerful stuff and about the halfway point we get nixon on the left again the split diopter shot where the television is prominently placed on the left hand of the screen where he's getting his nomination you know only one vote against yeah, him yeah. to be the the next president and again you've got redford on the side of the other the right side of the screen typing away furiously. So again, they touch in a little bit. They open with Nixon coming back from China uh, and they into the into the State of the Union. They kind of midway of the point, they talk about him now getting his his um, nomination. So there's these, these they check in with Nixon a little bit and to sort of different parts of his of his mm-hmm. story yeah. and his sort of success because at this point, again, nobody in the Repo- there's one person in the Republican primary that voted against him, right? So there's indication that this guy's popularity is over through the roof, and yet right beside him is somebody furiously typing in in, in and that will eventually kind of take him down. It's really quite impressive. I, I really love it. For a guy who won by so much, why do they feel the need that they needed to cheat? That's the paranoia part. <laughs> or less to cheat. The guy, I mean, the, yeah, he, he won the, the second term by, he, he lost, he won every state. It's still the, the biggest margin, I think, in, in any presidential history, yeah, in, I, election history. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know exactly how, how it works, but it was like a thousand. He won every won. state but one. Yeah. Yeah. It was craziness. Anyway, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a ridiculous kind of moment. Um, in general, but I like that it's sort of the halfway point, which is just touch you touching in on where Nixon's at, because there's a way to think that if you're just following the guys and what they're discovering and what they're finding, it's a good counterpoint to watch that that he's actually ascending, that Nixon is actually at that point of uh, of peaking almost. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's really powerful. And at this point, we're kind of introduced to Jane Alexander. Uh, who again doesn't have oh, a large role, but is right? Oscar nominated? Yeah, I thought her performance was excellent. She looked like a, almost, for what she was in there to do. A little bit like Jamie Lee Curtis for a moment. A little bit, yeah. a little bit in the lips, I think. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, out of all, I guess, of the interviews, other than maybe Collins, though, I do like the Segretti. Mm-hmm. I do like the Segretti moment, but the bookkeeper was oh, yeah. was certainly the most impactful to the movie uh, with, with that information, with giving the initials and what have you but yeah yeah performance wise so she's the first big break i think right like she's presented as the one that actually has the most information to give and really puts the boys i think on a real like trajectory you know where they start giving the initials and they can oh my god you know it goes all the way to this guy and this guy let's dig you know to because she she wanted to talk Uh, that she she uh, from a level of I don't feel right. Your conscience, about yes, I think, yeah. wanted to talk. Exactly. Yes. I don't feel right about this, but I also, I don't want to be the, you know, I can't, I, I could be in harm's way if I, if I say anything. Sure. 
Uh, I want to protect Sloan, right? My boss, you know, I want to, I, he's a good man. He's an honest man, but the rest of them, you know, so yeah, I yeah. agree. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I think they do such a good job of that. And uh, with that, with every interaction, this, again, this is probably the most important one. Uh, but in general, it's certainly the good. first one. It's certainly yeah, the first, first big one. one. Yeah. yeah. The first big one. And then just, I mean, one of my favorite lines, and I think in the whole movie, is when Redford says, you wake up and you see snow. You, you, mm-hmm. you know it's it's snowed all. You don't have to be awake to know that it snowed all night. And that's just kind of sums up about how they put the, the story together and get their information with pieces that, you know, the bookkeeper gives them, you know. Sure. Uh, you know, what I love. Nod if, 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 if it's, <laughs> it's like they literally just, I think he said that, just nod. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree, and that's sort of the, the you get to see some of that with them, right? Again, because they're they're looking at multiple sources, right? So they they have some of the information. So it's like the burden. It's about taking the burden away. So you don't want to say Mitchell, okay, or MacGruber, uh, MacGruber, sorry. <laughs> then we're not going to make you say it because we already in the back of our head kind of know it's MacGruber or think it's MacGruber. Yeah. So let's p- position. It. And I love the way that they approach that scene with the. Porter. Porter, you know, they, yeah. they have a good hunch that it's Porter. They work it out. They think they're, they're almost positive. So the way that Woodward comes up with it is like, well, we'll just throw it aside and see how she reacts. And so when, when they're up there and, and he's like, you know, is P Porter? We already know P, P, P is Porter. What about? And she gets to be kind of disarmed by it. It's just really, really. And, and again, the performances are just so strong about it. I'm really impressed. What I think is funny, just to your point, that scene, I have a note for that as well, where the two of them actually have the same argument, but at opposite or different ends of the movie or different pieces of the movie. So closer to this sort of halfway point, you've got Bernstein who's running kind of with the story. We have the information, we know it. And after getting kind of talked down by Bradley, Redford's like, we don't have the facts. We don't have the facts yet. And, And Bernstein at that point, that's saying, if you've been listening to the radio for an hour and there hasn't been a commercial, do you make the assumption that you're, you know, is it AM or FM? And Redford says, whoa, 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 back it up. If the guy comes up to me and says, hey, do you have the address for this place? <clears throat> well, is he lost or is he interrogating me? Which story, you know, how do I write that story? Yeah. And so that's a moment where Bernstein is champing at the bit to kind of get ahead. Mm-hmm. And Woodward is the guy pumping the brakes. Yeah. And the scene you mentioned later is Bernstein saying, we don't have it yet. I don't think we have it yet. And it's Woodward saying... Well, if you go to sleep and it's, you know, and, and if you wake up and it's snow and there's snow on the ground, you can assume that there was snow overnight. And Bernstein's the guy pumping the brakes on. I just think yeah. that the, para- the paradox of those two at, at different times having different motivations, I think, is, again, a very subtle choice, but a really powerful one, even in the, in the midst of it. Well, it keeps them in check, too. Absolutely. If you're not careful. If you're just one, one, you're just one person working alone. And you bark up the wrong tree too many times, or take something a little bit too far, you can probably get yourself in a lot of hot water when you're writing about something, especially involving you know the president or somebody in a position of power, and you're not CIA, FBI, yeah, yeah. And even though you're right, and that seems to be enough, but you got to be sure you're right, and you got to be ready to, at on some level, back it up uh, yeah. <laughs> with more than just a little bit of hearsay so it, it's a it's an interesting game the, 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 yeah. it was I, I, don't, I don't i think it's really changed i think i'm sure i don't know i'm not in the world but i'm of the last 30 40 years i'm sure the the the, the nature of the journalist game has changed but it, it, it 
from that in that time, 70s, maybe earlier, I, I do find that world very intriguing on how they go about yeah. getting information and being careful where they don't put themselves. And it's shared throughout the movie through, through the Bradley character. Uh, mm-hmm. who he's like, well, let's stick with the boys. You know, at any point we can get this paper. He's the boss of the paper from what I can gather. He's, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, we can get a lot of trouble here and basically go bankrupt or get sued or what have you. Yeah. And I, I love the, the fact that there's one of the senior staffs that like, gets somebody with more experience on yes. this. And Bradley sticks with the two guys and and mm-hmm. they're hungry and they're they're making progress and I don't know. I think he's rooting for them, and I think I, I was confused with Bradley. At the beginning, I almost thought he didn't want them to find out the information, where maybe he was connected himself. Because I always have that. Oh, maybe because movies today that are, you know, Hollywood will throw out that he's connected to it, so he doesn't want the story to be told and add that extra layer because it's it's not it's not um, it's fictitious. It's not real. Sure. So, but I like the, this one. The way Bradley's character was you know very intelligent very careful i know we're kind of flipping back and forth but when he's reading one of their early drafts but oh it's great and he takes the pen and starts stroking things out like i just love that scene there's and there's so much of that uh throughout the movie that i really that i really well he's just i agree i it's that performance is why it wins the oscar i think you know is that yeah. he, when he's on screen there's a gravitas and there's an ability as you said to he's running the show mm-hmm. and there's times where he believes in him and i think that's a, a relationship that grows over time as well mm-hmm. when they're new and they don't really have it his first scene right is, is like you don't have it right it's just not a story yet oh what do you mean we've got blah, blah, blah. you don't have it get the hell out like that's it put it in the metro section and forget about it exactly so as more information is kind of happening and he's got a great scene um, it's about again a little bit more than halfway through the movie where where they're meeting and you know he feels or the the guys feel very comfortable that, uh, that they've got the names you know the M's and the and the P's the porters and the gurus yeah. and um, they talk to him and he tells the story about how you know he wrote the story and as a result they're stuck with uh, her uh, Hoover for for the oh, you yeah. know for life <laughs> at the FBI and he says you know I screwed up but I wasn't wrong. And the implication is, it's okay. Just don't be wrong, which is, which is what his ass is, is. You know, as he says, like this is my ass writing on it, or the newspaper's ass. Yeah. Uh, but he's like, just don't be wrong, and Philosophy. you're gonna piss people off, and that's okay. But you can't. Yeah. You can't be wrong. Yeah. And he walks away. Print that baby. You know, when he kind of slaps it on on Hoffman, mm-hmm. he almost skips out. Like he's so excited that they've got this story, and I think. There's a there's again you watch it the same when 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 during throughout the movie ultimately when they get new information and the new pieces of the puzzle start to fall into place you can see an exuberance in Redford and in Hoffman they get excited and they get you know their eyes perk up and they're mm-hmm. right and I think that's again it's it's really watching the progress of this story unfold through those eyes and through those speeches with Bradley and so forth that are really uh, just make for really excellent filmmaking. I think it's really, really powerful. Yeah. And what I love is there's a little scene right before this. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. You got something to say? No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just gonna. I was just gonna preach again with having the senior staff. On top of that, you have the, the, those the main guys, mm-hmm. and you just have the wardens and all those other guys making this move, elevating it that much further. Hundred percent. Yeah. Absolutely elevation. Mm-hmm. There's a scene that I love on the television, where, where again Woodstein's 
their new their their stories are breaking, right? They're getting a little more traction, right? They're a little bit more around the town. And there's the scene where they're interviewing <laughs> on television. They interview the the AG, the uh, Attorney General, uh, about oh, the yeah. Nixon investigation, and it, they're <laughs> going on and on about this is a Kleindienst, uh, uh, Richard Kleindienst, and. Yeah. Uh, no, no, about the the investigation into Watergate, mm-hmm. and he talks about how the news reporter he's talking about. Oh, there's 1,700 man hours. We've got 55 of 57 field agents on it. We've been working on it for uh, you know 2,000 man hours. We've got you know uh, basically the entire. It's the biggest investigation in the history of the of the CIA and FBI. Yeah, yeah. And the news and the newspaper is like, or the the television is like. Did you know that there had been shredded documents? No, I didn't know that. <laughs> it's just. It's a subtle scene, or it's not even that subtle, frankly, but it's an indication of, like, they're only finding what they want to find, and they're trying to cover it up and hide it out, and he's trying to extol the virtues of this amazing investigation that the FBI has had, and the reality is, they've done nothing. You know, they haven't found anything, despite the fact that it's all there. Yeah. Uh, it's a scene that I really liked, and, and again, just goes to show that the work that they're doing is, A, it's permeating, it's getting out there, mm-hmm. but B, it's exposing liars. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, it's yeah, almost like they're doing the job of the FBI. <laughs> I mean, well, that's what ends up happening, right? Yeah. The reveal is that, frankly, everybody is involved. Yeah, yeah. Right? In that it is it is the FBI, it is the CIA, it is every kind of branch of government, you know, that, 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 that they are all in cahoots. collusion to some extent. Some cahoots. cahoots. Um, some cahoots. <laughs> and it's, it's really, it's really, uh, really gross. But, but this movie, I, this movie does it really resonate resonated. I didn't. I, I can't say I loved the movie. I didn't love. It. I liked it, but mm-hmm. I didn't love it. But what it, it, it definitely resonated with me. I, it it stuck with me afterwards, like throughout the day, mm-hmm. throughout the night. It, it, I was thinking about it, and I think that's a mark yes. of a good film, or a good filmmaking, or an interesting story, or something that it just sinks in. And it could be that it's just, just an intriguing story. Uh, because it's something that that's in history that's really happened that has that like, extra le- layer of intrigue because it's real. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's yes. probably part of it, but uh, not many movies. No, I said many movies, but it's not every day where a movie resonates like that for me. So it definitely had the resonation, uh, a resonation value to me. Yeah, no, and I think I agree because that's ultimately what happened with this movie for me. Is like I watch it, it sticks with me, mm-hmm. and I've seen it obviously a dozen times since. But also, it spawned my interest on some level of kind of getting into the Nixon story. Uh, you know, diving into documentaries, and you know, there's like an eight part CBS News documentary on Watergate. There's a four part HBO thing. It just came out with Gaslit with Julia Roberts this year, an eight part. Uh, okay. miniseries, uh, you know, so it's like a, it, the resonance, as you said, of Watergate and this story in particular is still felt, you know, 50 years later, um, uh, you know, and artistically, you know, certainly since this movie onward. And it all, I think, can be traced back to this movie, which I think, again, just does it so well in both an entertaining and uh, educational, as it were, to some extent, way. Yeah, um, I don't think. But it's all built on it, I think. Yeah, I don't think. I don't know. I, I, I'd have to watch them, but. I don't know if I'd enjoy anything more if it's not from the journalistic uh, approach because there's a, a bunch of different approaches you can take to telling the Nixon story. This is definitely sounds like it's the uh, a definitely maybe not necessarily the only one, but the best one that does it from the point of view of the Washington uh, Post, Woodward and, and Bernstein. So 
I don't know if I how much I don't know if you've seen ones where you've seen more of the political aspect of oh yeah of, absolutely of absolutely yeah but they all kind of stem from like Watergate doesn't happen without these guys so it's yeah. all kind of it's they obviously yeah. are involved in the story yeah but some of the documentaries are more about the Nixon inner circle yeah and he had, you know had all these had all these tapes so it's like going through the tapes and sort of watching basically again this paranoid kind of man manic on some level kind of you know discuss his political failings and and enemies and so forth so there's just a lot of pieces you know and obviously the cbs news one is just taking documentary footage of the president and news clippings or not clippings but interviews and such and anyway it's a really fascinating story but this this movie really spawned that as you said it kind of digs into you i in my view uh it digs into you you know and you kind of think about it later and again because it's political as well as journalistic i think there are traces for better or for worse that that you can see over the the decades in between and there's moments where like oh gosh that seems nixonian or that journalist appears to be kind of you know bernsteinian or 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 woodwardian or what have you you know you know there there are pieces of the story that kind of resonate and you said the tendrils kind of reach out um all this all this much time later um it's really really great stuff and you know i think it kind of reaches this sort of apex as it were kind of culminates a little bit in the the Sloan story. Yes, the story. We're not going to talk too much about Sloan as a performer, but but the character is is fascinating and interesting, and it, it he really is gives them their biggest sort of setback, and I think the way that that scene is kind of put or those scenes are put together again add this despite the fact that we know I know firsthand and you know certainly the second this uh, I mean the first watch the second watch that they make it. You know, like yeah. that it works. Yeah, yeah. But I think the way they present it is like they're ready to resign. The story is is false. Yeah. You know, you've got uh, the press secretary Ziegler. The, uh, uh, Nick, you know, the footage of him, yeah. the shabby, the shabby journalism. You know, uh, they're making things up, yada yada. And they really feel like they hit the wall, like you said, right? That what, what, what's, what's happening, and uh, it's over. And. I think that that is delivered really, really powerfully, and by by everybody involved. I think they show the desperation. I think Sloan so shows some contrition about you know unsure about uh, the whole process. He doesn't want to talk to them, and you know nobody asked him about Mitchell or uh, about Haldeman. Just some really great, great performances all around. In the way that sort of story unravels, yeah. culminates, I think is really, really. Powerful. Yeah, it's anticlimactic. It's, I don't know if it's anticlimactic is the point because you're getting to that point. Oh yeah. Oh oh no. Yeah. Setback. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely a setback. And uh, and how Sloan clearly is. I think with partly due to his wife. You know, wants to do the right thing and and again yep. wants it in a way where he doesn't put himself in too much harm's way. Uh, and, Absolutely. And, and it's a great uh, a great thing that he does later when. Bernstein, he, I guess Bernstein. We don't really see that conversation. We see it uh, typed out. Is that? Do we see that typed out, or is it? Yes, yeah. that's, that's that's after that. He he, the Burns Woodward comes over. Yes. and like our lives are in danger. Yeah, right. This is post Place the final deep throat yeah. conversation where. Yeah. Yeah. So it's and that's a great scene too. Yeah. That that the exchange again, words are meaningful. Words matter. Words are powerful. You know, it's it's like if you can't speak. The, the typing, you know, the the, the word, written word is is, yeah. is 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 important. It's when it, when you're involved in something big, which I've never been in, unfortunately. Uh, 
<laughs> I, I would think, and I think it shows in this movie, that it's really hard not to talk about. Because uh, it, yeah. it's so like, it, you just, it's, you have to talk about it because it's so big. You can't do something big and not talk about it, right? If you win the lottery, yeah. you're not going to tell anybody. Like, so when you have like characters like Segretti and oh all gosh, of them, really, yeah. it's like, you want to talk about it and you, and, and if it's because it's interesting or because it's like never been done before, but you, you got to be really careful of who you talk to because you, I mean, with all the assistants and the secretaries and, and everyone involved in the committee, you know, word travels, <laughs> word gets gets around. And then you have these persuasive and at some point it's kind of forceful journalists in the mix. And it's just a very interesting world. Uh, and I don't know what it is about the Segretti. I, I just like that, that, that the actor portraying him uh, being, being, I think he ended up, spending time in jail in real life the real person not for very long though uh oh, okay but, but yeah a, he's great yeah i think he's great he's so kind of creepy weird yeah <laughs> i don't know what it is it's just his look and and he's a he's a lawyer and he's talking well, i don't do anything violent or anything like this and he did a lot of bad things in college and you know it's just an interesting scene uh with that with segretti uh but they're all they all they all yeah. bring something to to this movie and that's i think what makes this movie so good is it just keeps like there's no real like, scenes that pop out to me. It's just like this just keeps rolling, and then it just keeps uh, propelling forward. And then we have this person. Then they talk to this person. Then they go back and talk to the person they just talked to, to get more information from the bookkeeper or what have you. So it all kind of blends in together, and they're uh, well, they, they're all really well done, and they're all well well performed too at the same time. Yeah, you need the confirmation, right? Which I think is what's so great about it, is that you kind of have to go back over. So you get yeah. the M from. From one person, but then you yeah, can, you know you work with another person. You're like, oh, we know M is so and so, and they say, oh yeah yeah, how'd you know that? Oh great, we actually did know that. So now let's go back and say, hey, if we know that this is, then yeah. what are you willing to say if we know this piece of the puzzle? <laughs> yeah. Right? It's really a, a an amazing yeah. um, way to do it. And again, the movie I think displays all of that sort of shoe leather, as they call it, mm-hmm. in very entertaining ways you know in a way that that's uh, really powerful i love it it's really the point of focal point is is, is that com- this you can call this movie the confirmation is, is yeah. well we need a minimum number of conversations confirmations per per person that we're going to write about so well we need one more just okay well hold on let me call this guy let me finagle this and do, oh yeah. right, and it's just connecting dots and like okay it's and, and all these workarounds to get back to the confirmation and at the end of the day as long as you're right you can, you know, that's it, and you get the green light from the boss man. Uh, you're, you're, yep. you go ahead. So it was very just an interesting world, and I, I said I think the movie tells the story just in such a genuine, authentic, and entertaining way. And I think that's uh, having great performances and great dialogue. You know, if you tell the story of of Dave, of me, it's gonna be pretty boring, and I don't know how exciting I can make it. Uh, <laughs> but they're able to make what seems it could be regular conversations, like very interesting and very compelling. And I yeah. think that's a, that's a tick in the box. Yeah. I think that's, that's really what it boils down to, right? This whole movie is conversations, right? Like it's all it is ultimately at the end of the day. And yet they might, they managed to make it compelling and interesting and captivating on some level. It's really impressive. And I, you know, I like there's the, basically the last scene of the movie is uh, them meeting up with Bradley. They've got confirmation now. Mitchell Haldeman has been named now by uh, Deep Throat. You know, they've had their, your lives are in danger. You know, everybody's kind of on the same page. They go to Bradley and they sort of basically tell him, like, it's it's locked. This is the deal. Mm-hmm. And 
And Bradley kind of gives him that little speech. First thing he says, which is very true, sadly, of, of politics, frankly, forever, but certainly <laughs> over recent years, is, uh, did you hear the latest Gallup poll? You know, the fact is nobody gives a shit. You know, nobody even has ever even heard of Watergate. Like, no one's reading the paper. No one's watching the television. Nobody cares. It's just not, right? I want people all the time, and myself included, right? They just, we put up the blinders. We want to kind of, uh, I just want to watch something light. I just, uh, you know, I, the news is too heavy. Yeah. You know, I, I can't I can't be bothered. And there's a there's a piece of that. You know, there's a, there's a place for it, I should say, uh, in everybody's life. But there's also like a whole world that is happening, you know? And I think to check yourself out of it so much is, is a, is a, it doesn't do well, you know, to the yeah. country, to, to the world, Absolutely. to the planet, to your to, to anybody. So you have the wrong I like people that they kind of address it. it. You have the wrong people watching. Absolutely. It. There's people watching it, just not the right people. <laughs> That's right. They're, That's a fair point, they're, right? They're and, just and, fueling, and, you're just fueling something in, in the people who watch, like, I don't, like Fox News. Like, if you, like, that has an audience. And I'm sorry for any of our listeners who watch Fox News, but I'm sorry. That's it's it's crazy. The things I, I've seen them say. I've, I've heard them talk about Canada. I'm like, what <laughs> is that? What you, yeah. that you? I think it's quite interesting. It's entertaining, and that's maybe that's what grabs people. But uh, sure, you know, these people can be influenced. But the, if the wrong people aren't the right people aren't watching or not caring. Then that's uh, that's an issue, to say the least. Yeah, they're just not exposed to it, right? They're choosing to sort of not not expose themselves to it, and that's you know again that that's human nature. It's been going on forever. I don't think it's unique to our times. I think it is sort of maybe getting bigger. You know, the, the bubble, as it were, is getting bigger. The insulation is getting a little bigger, but it's it's not uncommon. But I really love the speech, the indication that it doesn't matter, that nobody cares, which is mm-hmm. as if to say, don't do it. Now, he's not saying that, but I think there's an argument that says people with that mindset, the cynical mindset that says, nobody cares anyway, so why am I going to bother? You know, why am I working so hard? Why am I trying so hard? And the fact is, this movie and, and these guys and, and many others since and before... Uh, it doesn't matter how many people are watching. It doesn't matter how many people are reading. It doesn't matter how many people are listening. Yeah, the work is important, one way or the other. And yeah, the truth, as you truth. said, you know, comes out mm-hmm. into the into the light. And so you have to make the information available. Now, what people do with it, you can't shove it down the throats. You don't know. Yeah. You can't communicate it to everybody. But you have to do the work. Yeah. And so that the information is there for anybody at any point to discover it and act on it. And you know, after this movie. Thousands of new journalists went into that profession because of this movie, you know, because of that book, because mm-hmm. of Nixon, because of Watergate. So it is possible, and you have to have a certain amount of, you know, commitment to that. And I think it's really great. And he kind of gives that speech again. You, uh, you're probably pretty tired. Just rest up 15 minutes and get back out there, because you know the, the whole Constitution of the United States and, and the whole country itself is kind of riding on this story. Uh, it's a lot of pressure, but it's a really great way to end the dialogue anyway and i don't know what your thoughts are that scene i have a couple notes about the last bit but anything on that scene with bradley in that last little moment uh again nothing that stands out extremely you pretty much covered it all it's you know this it's about just the truth and you know i don't think you know in today's age i feel i feel like we've lost that that essence though of of journalism where anybody can just write anything and then you have the wrong people reading it <laughs> and believing everything they read. Uh, I don't think the, the work you see these two characters put into this story, right? I mean, it shows in the movie. This is, this is their life for, for, I don't know how many months, but 
you know, this, yes. this is day, this is day and night. And so, and it's all about just finding the truth. So there's something in that. It's very powerful. And having a, a, a character like Bradley, uh, you know, so having supporting that and, and, and not monetizing it, you know, it's not about selling papers. It's about finding the truth and just make sure you're right. That having that as, uh, as your, your, your mantra, your guiding principle, yeah, <laughs> working within that frame. I think, uh, I know, I think that's, I think we lost a little bit of that, but that scene specifically, I think it doesn't blow me away, but it's, uh, it's, it's a good way to tie it up, I guess, the, the, the relationship between uh, the, the paper. Well, that brings us to the, the, the sort of last moments, which I think are, again, it's a beautiful shot. It's, it's composed phenomenally. And you the way the frame is, you've got Woodstein on the right-hand side of the frame. You've got your split diopter shot, and you've got the television at, at Nixon's mm-hmm. inauguration. And... The choice to bookend the movie at sort of, oh. you know, Nixon's sort of rise and, and chronicle Nixon's sort of rise. He had just won the biggest landslide election, as I said, in, in American politics. Mm-hmm. And he is swearing in his oath of office and the language is used. You know, I, I will dutifully, uh, uh, you know, upheld the uphold the the laws of the Constitution and the, you know, the, and the country and so forth. Um, while again, lang- the the typing sounds are getting louder and louder and louder and louder, the camera's pushing in, and you realize that the fact is this guy is lying effectively, right? Like that, that he is not holding his oath to office. You know, he's holding his oath to himself or to his party. And I like that it from the smashing of the typing, the stuff, the sort of telegraph takes over, and instead of the, the title cards that we've had at the end of like Dog Day Afternoon where you just get the write-up, you know, so-and-so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, here's their stories post-movie. This movie sort of turns it into a telegram, which I really kind of really appreciate the typing, again, loud typing, and really just kind of go, almost goes character by character. So even if you don't remember Coulson's name or Porter's name or Segretti. Magruder's name, Segretti, <laughs> you know, Chapin, you know, whomever, Stans, Mitchell, Haldeman, if you don't know any of those names, you're watching them and it's like one by one by one by one by one. They all went to prison. They all pleaded guilty. They all were were guilty of doing the things that they said they didn't and doing the things that nobody would believe that they could. And the last one, obviously, ending with Nixon, literally just as he's getting inaugurated on the television. And the previous telegram is Nixon refuses to resign to August 9th. 1972, or sorry, 1970. He resigned in 73. 73, if that's yeah. the word. Um, uh, Nixon resigns, and it freezes on that frame, and the movie's over. It culminates the story of Nixon very succinctly and culminates their stories because those are all names that we've heard already, and they were right about them. Like you said, after the shabby journalism that Ziegler talked about and, like, this story is not true, and they mentioned Haldeman and... and Sloan never mentioned Haldeman, yada, yada, yada. They may have screwed up, but they weren't wrong. And this is proof of it. And everybody that, that was involved, with the exception of Nixon to a certain extent, because Ford pardoned him uh, after after uh, the next year, um, everybody kind of had their comeuppance to whatever degree. And I think it's just a great way to tell the story. It's a great way to end the story. It's still words. It's still typing. It's still powerful. And it's a great way to end the movie. So for me, just to summarize, I fucking love this movie. I think it's absolutely perfect. There's not a single frame of this movie that I would change. 
I think it's it's just it's just incredible. It's one of my all time favorites, and uh, and I, I'll probably watch it again this week just because I I I love it so much. And uh, having said that, Dave, what are your final thoughts? Closing thoughts? Uh, are you a little bit uh, swayed by my passion at all, uh, or uh, or what? And uh, obviously, uh, what have you got for us uh, next week? Well, much what I did when I sway you on Arm- I swayed you on Armageddon. Really brought me around on that one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. It didn't. This it didn't take take me much to sway me on this one. I, I knew again the whole resonation factor says uh, says a lot. Uh, but you you added to some things about this movie deeper because you're a very deep man and like, like I dig I dig to be like Woodward and Bernstein. You're a digger and you get and you get to the <laughs> truth. You get to the truth of filmmaking. Uh, so I, I'd always appreciate that. So I mean, overall, I mean, for the ending, I, I can't think of a better better way to to do it. I don't. It's funny because they were all guilty. I think some of them got like, you know, a month or two months in jail. Yeah. Which is, yeah. And it's and it's funny because it's not even about that. It's just about you did it, and we know yep. you did it. it. You know, one day in jail, uh, ten years in jail. It's important, sure, but it's not. I think just having the truth come out was was, was more important than what this, the actual sentence was, uh, and, and like you said, I think the, there's no uh, way the ending could have been better. Great way to finish things off. Uh, so overall, I, I enjoyed the watch, and I, I'm, I'm I'm appreciative of of your selection. Uh, you know, as I mentioned visually, I found your previous selection a little bit easier on the eyes at sometimes, but I love the portrayal of of the journalistic culture. Uh, how realistic that was and uh, yeah you know i can't go on record to say it was realistic again i can't go on the record but i will go on record and say it was entertaining and i enjoyed the scene so much with the washington post senior staff with ward and with all of them um you know i just like the methods of bernstein and woodward used to confirm things i thought that was just an, an intriguing part of the whole movie it just kept my eyes glued to the screen uh, yeah and i thought that was very compelling so it's a, and it's a very I, I do like a story that has some connections to a real event i think that adds a whole other level of intrigue as well so it didn't answer all my questions about watergate but it certainly did fill in some of the details and uh, of course all those details are available on the internet so I, i'm sure i can go find out <laughs> everything that i can go at. so this is a movie to say i would put it on my shelf maybe uh but it's certainly a movie i would watch again uh, I think Excellent. I think I want to watch it again because there's so many names in it that I didn't. There's I connected 86.7 percent of the dots, so I want to you know get the other 13.5 percent and connect those and uh, just appreciate uh, Hoffman's hair one more time. Oh, gorgeous! It, flo- yep. it flowed, buddy. It flowed, and uh, yep. I'm gonna go buy my pack. Uh, go buy a pack of cigarettes. So <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, Sorry. wonderful. So what's up next week? Oh shoot! I guess I should have. No, I didn't think of. No, kidding. Yeah. So next week, uh, we're going to s- sort of stay in the world, but uh, we're going to go with. Uh, we watch Clear and Present Danger. We, so we're going back to another Tom Clancy, Philip, and we're going to go with Patriot Games, uh, which there is a president in that as well. But it's more uh, about Harrison Ford's character of Jack Ryan, which you've met. Uh, so we're gonna. I don't think you've seen it. I think you mentioned. So I'm excited. I've never seen that movie. I'm excited no. uh, for you to watch that and and see what you think. So that'll be coming next week. Patriot Games. Wonderful, wonderful. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, appreciate uh, your time and attention. 
uh, please follow us on our Facebook page, Off the Shelf with Phil and Dave, and uh, share the podcast with anyone and everyone. And uh, if you're following us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, any podcatcher, of course, please uh, just hit that like, subscribe, follow button, and uh, we'll appreciate you and uh, it forever. Yeah. Thanks so much, folks, and we'll see you next week. Please listen in. It's legal. <laughs>